0: Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Ah.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Up everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Steeler Nation podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Candelaria. This is episode twenty-five. Today we will be joined by in just a few minutes by Pen Lives Jacob Klinger. We're going to discuss the Pittsburgh Steelers' twenty-three to twenty victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. which improved them to ten and two, a comeback victory, which they trailed seventeen to nothing and are still number one in the AFC, along with a three game lead over Baltimore and they can clinch the AFC North next week with a victory on Sunday Night Football. With the Baltimore Ravens, We'll have to see what happens there. But obviously, a lot of news last night. You know, Big Ben referred to AFC North football why it got so chippy, and you know, a lot of things came out of that game. And one we don't, you know, like discuss. Early in the game, it's 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 tough, man. I, I I almost you almost felt like as a fan, at least from my perspective, when you're when you're watching that game, and you see Ryan Shazier go in for the tackle, he 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 does teach a lesson uh every football player young old you got to keep your head up when you tackling. i mean he's 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 done it a lot uh he it sucks he's you know he's really a leader defensive leader he's probably the best defensive player on the steelers i i even think that he was probably in line this year to maybe win the defensive player of the year award maybe not but at least in contention for it and it's just tough you know, to see that happen to a guy like that. Such a good guy off the field, works so hard. He's been, you know, injury plagued. He's been in the league four years. He's been injury plagued, you know, for his career, but not to that extent. Still looking for better, uh, for good news. Uh, it, it, it's gotten, the news that we've heard ha- has actually been a little bit better than we expected. Because when you see Shays' ear go down like that and, you know, his hands go up, clench his fist to try to, you know, get get that feeling in his hands, he's, you know, he said. Apparently, Vince Willy told Vince Williams when he's getting cut off that he was okay and he could, you know, feel his extremities a little bit. But we're here today that he did, he can feel his extremities for the most part, which is very good to hear. But they're not going to get really another update probably for the next 24 to 48 hours. So he is still in Cincinnati at the University of Cincinnati, you know, Medical Center right now. So you know, we hope the best for Shreyan Chazier. We we pray for him and we hope everything. Is gonna go well with that because you know it's, it's you take football all out of context, you take the football player out of him. He's still a human being. He, he's still he's still you know just like one of us. He's got a family. He's got a fiance. He's got a kid. It's it's tough. It's really tough. And to see people go on Twitter and, and to like trash that and say oh this that like that 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 is just. <laughs> I that's just not even being a human. I, I, I don't know what kind of human being people are. for. I've seen a lot of tweets, and they are very, very, you know, vulgar about it. And it's, that's just that's just not right. That's just not the world we live in. But it's, prayers to Ryan Shazier. Hopefully he gets back as fast as he can. But you know, even in a lot of the football sense, hopefully he gets back. You know, we want him to be 100%, you know, just as a person in general. If he get back to – you know, I, I hope for the best for him. I hope he can get back to the field. I don't know when that will be. I don't know if it will be, but I, I, we definitely hope that he, you know, he's a strong guy. I hope he can get back to the field. And prayers out to him and his family, and hopefully Ryan as well. And we hear good news in the next 24 to 48 hours. He, he will be getting back to Pittsburgh from then. He was supposed to get to Pittsburgh today, but now they want to get more testing on him. So he should be in the next day or two back in Pittsburgh. Another thing coming out of the game is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Today just received a one-game suspension after the hit and taunting on Vontez Virfic. Oh, man. I, I really, not even just being a Steelers fan, I think you can ask a lot of people, I disagree with this one. And the fact that you would say that, uh, the NFL would say that Gronk and Juju deserve the same suspension with one game is is absolutely ridiculous. So let's look at the Gronk hit, okay? Let's start with Ted. Tredavious White for the Buffalo Bills, Okay, there was a little pushing and shoving. He gets the interception. He's down out of bounds after the interception. The play is over. Okay, you know, the play is over. He's out of bounds. And just because out of frustration, it wasn't like Juju did this out of frustration. He was putting down a good block, but obviously he knew it was Vontez, so he was going to do something bigger than just the block. But that's just out of the whole context. This play, this play was over and just out of frustration, Rob Gronkowski, when this guy was face down looking at the ground, you know, body laying on the ground, had He could not defend himself whatsoever. Gronkowski just puts a hard elbow almost to the back of his neck which could have seriously injured him, seriously injured this guy. And Rob Gronkowski gets a one-game suspension, and you're telling me that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get a one-game suspension for that. If you're going to give Juju a one-game suspension, you've got to give this guy at least a two to three games, not even a four-game. That's just ridiculous. I don't care. He's been fine a few times. I don't care if he's not, good, he's not you know, had problems like that and been suspended before. That's ridiculous. Man, eh. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell got the catch, the screen pass. He's running, got, picks up the first down. But Vontez Bierfecht is going to tackle him. He may make the tackle on this play. Judy Smith-Schuster puts down a very good block. It's honestly, a lot of people have said that it's been a legal hit. A lot of people have said it's illegal. It, it, it might have been illegal, but maybe by a few inches. They say Vontaze was he was uh, defenseless. I mean, he was still running at the running back. He's got to keep his head on a swivel. I don't think any time Vontez Burfix on NFL football field, he is a defenseless player. He is the dirtiest player in football. I'm not saying he deserves that, but he's the dirtiest player in football. So the fact that uh, the announcing crew last night was just absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Referring, you know, to like Juju's misuse, you're doing this and your teammate Ryan Chase, why would they even bring that up? Uh, we know Ryan Chase here what happened. That had nothing. That was totally opposite of what happened here. Juju was laying down a block, and obviously, if it was somebody else, it may not have been that hard. But maybe it would have. Juju, we've seen Juju this year. He lays the wood on people. It's Vontez Burfict, so maybe that's a little bit bit different because you know he's had a future in the or he's had a past uh, where he hurt Antonio Brown and said that Antonio Brown faked it. Yet Antonio Brown didn't even play in the division round against the. Denver Broncos, man, I—it's just this guy—he he, he, tried—he did so many things. Not even just the Pittsburgh, but he's done a lot to Pittsburgh. He hurt Le'Veon Bell, and even celebrated pretty much tearing a Le'Veon Bell's ACL or MCL. He hurt Ben Roethlisberger in that uh, wild card game, and the, before Antonio Brown by after making after he threw the ball, tackled him to the ground and just laid on his shoulder when he was already in pain. He knew it. He knew what he was doing. Juju Smith Schuster should not have taunted. I, I agree. I mean, I know a lot of Steelers fans liked it. They liked what he did. They you know, they remind them of the Heinz Ward. Like people said fifteen years ago, this is not a flag. This is what football has been turned into. But I know I, I agree with everything that you know, people people need to remain safe. We see scary, scary injuries. Uh, just the, the fact that this, there's a, a suspension is just outright outrageous. Loka, he got a one-game suspension, too, for helmet-to-helmet with Antonio Brown in the end zone. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, that that does deserve a hefty fine for that helmet-to-helmet hit in the end zone, but I don't even think he deserves to be suspended. That, hype, that happens all the time. They just get hefty fines. It was, I think it was, a, it, was a, it was a bad hit. Yeah, it was right to the helmet, but I don't think he deserves to be suspended. Being that that being said for itself, Juju Smith-Schuster should nowhere be suspended, even close to that. It's just yeah, man. Everything. Mike Mitchell sounded off on Twitter today about Roger Goodell. He wants him gone, but he's siding with Jerry Jones. Wants him gone. I, I don't know. The NFL is just. <laughs> I don't know. They 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 they're changing the game, I guess. And the Juju Smith-Schuster suspension, you know, confuses me, and it confuses a lot of people. I really hope the NFL can get a fix on this. This is not—he appealed, obviously. They both appealed, but I I hope Juju can somehow get the, you know, get the suspension reinstated or whatever. If he doesn't, it's still it's ridiculous. Martavis Bryant—he would be the guy with Juju, but he played well last night. But man, I have been just all you know the. Matters the the events just went on last night. It's just not things you want to see, but it's just outright outrageous for the Judas Smith Schuster suspension. Anyway, in the next couple of minutes, we'll be joined by Penn Live's Jacob Klinger to recap the Steelers' twenty three to twenty victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll talk about you know the Judas Smith Schuster suspension that I kind of just ranted about. We'll talk about Shazier a little bit. Hopefully, you know we get some more information on that as he's been in a Jacob's been in the locker room with. With a lot of the players, and like especially Vince Williams, we like to hear from him because you know they are shake and bake. they are really you know close with each other, so we like to hear Jacob's take on that, especially because you know he gets in depth looks from the players, which is good for the fans to hear <laughs> man <laughs> anyway, we'll get to the good part. The Steelers did end up coming overcoming a seventeen to nothing first half deficit. they cut it to seventeen to three to end the first half after a pass interference call by Antonio Brown. Which resulted in a field goal by Chris Boswell. And once again, Chris Boswell there to save the day. He's added to the list of another killer B. But man, Steelers keep getting these victories close to the end. But you know what? I'm not even going to say it, it was definitely tough for them to play the rest of the first half and the rest of the game. But right now, on the, on the line, we got Penn Jacob Klinger joining me today. How are you doing today, Jacob? so I'm a little road weary, but I'm also <laughs> yeah, man, uh, man. I, I just you know, t- just trying to take everything in from that. I, I know you got. Well, we, we can obviously start with you know, it, it was tough to see, it was tough to watch the Ryan Shazier injury. We can obviously, you know, you you've been in the locker room, hearing about what the guys had to say, what Vince Williams had to say. You know, what what was their, you know, reaction to everything, what what do they think about it? Well the thing that really struck me was that they really you know, they were put off
1: by it, they were shaken by it, but then they they had to keep playing. Uh right. And then and then afterward, you know, still still visibly disturbed by what they had seen. Right also there was this real not a sense but a concrete spoken element of acceptance that that this happens in football uh if you hang around it long enough you know it's it's a part of the game and i don't mean that in necessarily a proving sense i just mean that in that that that's the reality these guys uh you know spoke of and and I went on to write about because I think that kind of underscores the whole situation, um, being
0: professional football. Definitely. I mean, it's just I. I mean, they they trailed seventeen to three to end the first half. They didn't get the three till the end because of the pass interference call with Antonio Brown at the end of the first half. I mean, you, you, like you said, this had it play a like a huge effect. There's no reason why it shouldn't. So. I how did these in your opinion like how did, how did how these guys do it? I know they still got to go out there and perform, but I mean, it was me. Holy crap, man! Like that that you got to think like that could be them. Like that I that I like they should be they should be scared. Yeah, I mean, I think I think most
1: guys who play the game understand that the the best way to get hurt is to play scared. Um, you know, if you, if you're pulling up, you're more likely to be the guy that that takes more of the of the damage. But yeah, I mean, Shazier's hit wasn't all that, um, you know, out of the ordinary He ducked his head a little bit and that you're not supposed to mm-hmm. do that. But, you know, we've seen him make that play dozens of times and, and pop right back up. So, um, in terms of internalizing it personally, I think you just don't. Um, and in terms of, you know, taking it on emotionally, I think you just kind of have to ride that wave. And, and that's basically what they did, you know, eventually Williams being the most, um, you know, visibly, viscerally affected. Um, but, but there was a lot of guys that messed them up pretty good. Um, to answer your original question, it really just comes down to, I think, uh, some sort of sense of obligation. There was a task at hand, and that was kind of, you know, what what Mike Tomlin left them with. I know Savant Tuit told me that as, as Tomlin departed the rest of the defensive huddle as Shazer was being carted off, um, he basically just told them to simplify things a little bit and just, just – you know, uh, run to the ball, and they could coach out the technical stuff from there. But if they just play on instinct, um, while they process the uh, the emotions, the would chase to go
0: down like that. Yeah, and I'm sure at halftime, obviously they they you know they, they at halftime they took everything in. I'm sure, obviously, still thinking about it throughout the rest of the game. But I'm, they definitely they definitely you know talked about that a lot, and probably helped them throughout the second half. I know you were at the game, but just just mm. watching after it happened. And and you see Vince Williams on the sideline, you know, pretty much like in tears, man. That's just that's that's tough, man.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I talk to Vince Williams a lot. He's a starting player on defense, so that stands for the reason. But I mean, I just you know sometimes in passing and and uh, you know talk to Shazer fairly frequently, and and it's you know they're pretty Williams more so than than Shazer is pretty. Um, loose in the locker room and um so it's it's just it's it's pretty stark to just see guys that you know on however small of a level, um like that. So um yeah, it it was I am not gonna lie to you, man, I don't have a lot in my in my notes document of play by play from the first half because um Oh yeah. Chase <laughs> zero got hurt three and a half minutes in, so um after they carted him off I I wrote in as much detail as I could maybe five hundred words on just every the, the whole scene because and this is something I kinda have an issue with is I, I understand why it happens, but uh that the Monday night football broadcast when a guy goes down with a horrific injury basically um cuts away from, from the most disturbing scenes which are you know, you see the odd replay but the reactions of his teammates, him just prone on the ground. These are the things that actually leave in your mind uh, a better understanding of, of what you're watching and what theater you're participating in. And, and this isn't me saying abolish football. This is just me saying, like, let's not hide the reality of what's going on from people. Like, if this is, if this is the product we're selling, uh, and by we I mean ESPN and the NFL, uh, then be transparent about it. Um, and, and there was plenty of transparency from where I sat. Uh, and it stuck with you even after I was done writing. I was just like, "What third and seven? They've got a you know a trip set to the inside of the right you know um, side of the line, and they're in shotgun with Bell to the left, and and AP is the weak side receiver. Like I don't I don't care. Like is this mm-hmm. guy gonna make it? Is he gonna move his feet? Um, Shit. Is he gonna? I mean, forget is he gonna play again this year? Is he gonna be able? No, to, I, like, I know. Ball? So I mean, so the stuff with, like. Yeah, no, like I said, the 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 part of my notes document where usually it'd have most every play of the
0: first half was was pretty barren. Um and, and just as well, I guess. I agree. Watching the first half, like just on T V, like they were do they were down they started out down seventeen to nothing. A- after that like happened, like usually like I'll be watching games and I'll start getting upset. Like I couldn't even like get like I could not like even focus pretty much on the game that much for at least the first pass. So I kind of just, you know, stop like thinking about it as much, but still like, it's crazy. Like you said, it's not even just like the football aspect about it. Like he is a human being just like all of us. Like he's got a family, like he's got a fiance, he's got a kid, like yeah. he's going to walk, he's going to walk again. It's tough, man. Yeah. That's really, It's a really
1: important sentiment. I think to get across, you know, so much of, so much of the way we, we talk about professional sports and the people who make them possible um, is in kind of an inherently dehumanizing way, and I understand um, how and why that happens. Um, but I think it's important to one be mindful of that and, and try to make that you know less so the case. Uh, but especially in moments like these, to realize that they are people, even a guy who's like uh, pretty unilaterally a garbage human on the football field, and Vontaze Berfick like is a <laughs> human who who quite possibly sustained probably not the first concussion of his life last night and, and on a very basic human level, however you know, crappy and unprofessional he often is, like there's there's some level of human empathy that needs to happen there and if it if we're not capable of it, that just like doesn't bode well for us as a species.
0: Right, and let's let's get into that. I want to jump into that. The Juju Smith Schuster, obviously we know the hit. You got to spend it for one game today. Honestly I know the taunting probably got – maybe probably got him with the hit, but I don't agree with it. A lot of people don't agree with it, not just even because of Steelers. Just the fact that Rob Gronkowski gets a one-game suspension and so does Juju, kind of ridiculous. What were your thoughts? Yeah. The
1: equivalency of Smith-Schuster to Aloka is problematic because um, you can right. argue elements of both of those plays either way. Um, though I'm not going to um, because they they both just don't look great the league wants to send a message okay you slap a one game suspension on each of those guys like I don't know about the consistency but I can get that but in conjunction with in the same week as
0: Gronkowski's
1: like Bush league like the adult football league that you would sign up with sign up in to play with like a bunch of like guys you knew from high school and some 30 to 40 year old dudes who can't let it go that is the kind of that you would expect to see in that setting Uh, and that is also what Rob Gronkowski did on an NFL football field after the whistle uh, this past weekend and I I cannot uh, I cannot rectify those two things as as being you know deserving of equal punishment so um, I think the NFL just in the vaguest way possible wants to send a message just not a terribly specific one which is uh, pretty consistent with the NFL's inconsistencies so here we are
0: and right, and, and we do see those hits, I mean, a lot. They see You see those hits, those those happen, you know, a lot in the NFL. Like, to be honest, sure. though, I, I didn't like it. It wasn't a good hit with Iloka and Antonio Brown. I'm going to be, like, completely honest. Like, you, you've you seen that a ton before. Steelers players, it happens a ton. Like, I, to, honestly, I really don't even think that, like, he really should have gotten a suspension. I don't think Juju should have, honestly. But yeah, no. I guess if you're going to slap one on one, you got to slap one on the other. But I, know I. No, I just, you, you think the taunting, you think the taunting got the suspension, or you think if the hit was going to get it I regardless? I think so, because usually, the taunting just gets
1: you a fine, like just a bigger fine, right?
0: Um, I'm not yeah. certain of
1: that, but I remember, I remember looking at and parsing through the various rules on this last year when Antonio Brown kept getting fined for humping things, and um, and <laughs> they, and they, it was it mattered week to week if it was considered an excessive celebration. It's my conduct or taunting. So I, I don't think there's usually a suspension attached to that. Unfortunately, um, you know, the the CBA, as it's written, allows the commissioner's office a lot of latitude to dole out whatever punishment it wants, uh, pretty much unilaterally, obviously subject to appeal. Uh, it was reported there that Matusta will appeal. Um, I think I saw that Derek Brooks will be the guy hearing that appeal. But um, this is going to have huge implications, not just in terms of what we understand to be right and wrong in the context of the NFL rules, but also uh, what the Steelers' roster looks like this week. NFL Network reported they signed Sean Spence. Uh, I'm not real clear on if he's taking the Steelers' roster spot, should he be suspended, or uh, if he's replacing Tyler Maticiewicz, who will be going on IR, or oh. Dana McCullers, who will would, who would be released. These are the things I'm thinking about as a beat reporter right now uh in addition to obviously having a lot of emotional weight and concern just out there for um fellow human beings. Uh, Ryan Chase here.
0: And another thing I know I know you probably hadn't got the chance to listen to I don't know if you saw any tweets about it, but on the uh the broadcast last night it really annoyed me to to the fact that they talked so it was Gruden, uh and McDonough, they talked uh after the junior. they they literally talked that this dude Vontaze Perfect, is like I don't like the the nicest dude you could ever like. The fact like oh. Juju Smith-Schuster laid <laughs> Way down, down his. Lay- no, he, yeah. The, the so team I team, so they was riding into the
1: game. Yeah. I mean, the rules should apply equally to everyone, right? But like, the I was riding into the game and I heard Sean McDonough on like a local radio station talking about Dante's Perfect and like he was asked by the local radio host you know, what his perception was around the league, the perfects was. And McDonough started in with this whole thing where, like, oh, he, he gained to accept their interview requests, their meeting requests, the broadcasters do, uh, before the game, and they, and they talked with him. And one of the first things he said was, he was so well-spoken. And I was like, ah, uh, okay, that's, that's dog whistle, Jason, A. B, um, B, who cares? That's not really relevant to to his perception around the league or or, or the the, per, the player he is in, you know in practice on the field. Uh, so um, that sort of skewed perception is just it shows a, an extreme level of naivety to me. Um, but I unfortunately, you see that a lot of times some broadcasters who aren't there every day they parachute in they get uh, you know special treatment from. From uh, media relations people and and the players themselves who recognize uh, the platform these people have and they get a skewed picture and then they relay that to a national audience that uh, frankly it seems that knows better um, but should be informed better by the people <laughs> relaying information to them on uh, in a primetime broadcast. I agree.
0: But anyway, let's get a little bit more into. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, yeah, I, you know, out of the suspension, out of you know the the injury, but let's let's get more into the actual game. Steelers picked up the victory. I know it was more of a second. We'll talk more about the second half, obviously, because that was the Steelers really did more, and it really the thing you know everything just kind of <laughs> got off, yeah, got off a little. But anyway, the the defense. I mean, we we can start to, you know try to talk about the first half, I guess, but the defense. Uh, when Shazier went down, I mean, not just him, but the defensive back wise, obviously Cody Sensabaugh just got torched by AJ Green. So they had even yeah, you saw no Ken Sutton. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, what was your thought yeah. on the defensive side of the
1: ball? I mean, I think I think what we saw is that like against the very elite deep threats hashtag elite in the NFL, um, the Cody Sensabaugh's probably not too viable of an option, and he certainly wasn't. Uh, Monday night, Mike Thomas did go out of his way after the game to sort of try and exonerate uh on saying that it wasn't anything against Sensabaugh, that he was benched, he just wanted to spark um I don't think that's how that works, but okay, um <laughs> I' just happy to be wrong um and 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 to his point, which was winning the game uh it did work because the due to other factors, I think but um, the Bengals did, you know, uh, forget how to they play did. football. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, and many of the rules. And I think they were held to somewhere around like 100 passing guys in the second half, which uh, isn't much. So I think it actually might have been way, way less than that. So yeah, I think it was like 50 or 60-something. Anyway, they did not play particularly well after that. And uh, Cameron Sutton more than held his own. So um, I think we've got a little something about him up on on our website, um, but I think I think the students have big hopes for him in the future. Um, they're just <laughs> unfortunately having to see that
0: future maybe sooner than they than they would have hoped. But uh, so far, so decent, right? Right, and, and you see him out you know with third round pick. So he's out there already. Second, was the second game he's been active? Right, if I'm correct, second game, I believe. I yeah, I don't remember what
1: snaps he got against the Packers. I don't think any were on defense, but he did no, dress. Just, yeah, I don't yeah. know if he yeah, did. any special, yeah. He definitely dressed. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how much he did, but And any he picture second NFL game day with a with the uniform on and and um he looked comfortable and and he's always looked comfortable and he's he's long commanded the respect uh of his of his veteran defensive back teammates guys like Mike Mitchell who, who don't draw do that thing out super easily uh, back in May said he was immediately impressed with, with how well Sutton was, was picking things up in the defense and the sort of questions, that, you know, he would go on to ask in meetings and things like that. Um, this was the narrative coming out of the draft with him. Well, he was a really smart guy. He called plays and did the plays, this, that, and the third. Uh, it's another to see that, you know, translated and realized and put into practice and play uh, in the NFL in a guy's first year. And with Sutton, we have, albeit anecdotally, seen that.
0: Exactly. And we did see on the defensive side, too, that the inside linebacker position is, is very thin. Obviously, you had Tyler Mtakovic come in. He went down as well. And you got LJ Ford pretty much getting calls from the sideline pretty much. So we saw that it is pretty thin on that sense. You did. You said they signed Sean Spence. I actually said I've been, I haven't even seen that.
1: Uh, Aditi Kinkhabab, NFL Network reporter. Yes, at the Steelers assigned signed uh, Sean Spence. I'm just not clear on if there's any roster displacement attached to that. I made okay. one or two calls that and did not get any uh, hard answers. I, I assume it would be pending appeal, but um, I, I don't know definitively what the deal is right there. But you know, Spence, sent, Spence spent several years with the Steelers and and, and yeah. with Vince Williams and, and those guys, so. Um, Totally viable backup if they if they want to bring him in. Though I do understand he's he's kind of bounced around from I think, the Colts and I want to say he was with the. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was he with the Forty ers he No, he's the Titans and those are the Colts.
0: Titans might have been. T- T- Steelers, Titans, Steelers, Titans, Colts. Yeah.
1: I'm, yeah, it was like Steelers, Titans, you know, Colts. Two, two of his yeah. last like three or so defensive coordinators have been very Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh adjacent systems. So. He'll um, know how to do it. As um, a matter of if you can execute those assignments is, is another. But um, you know, um, Vince, Vince Williams, I think will be will be capable there in the meantime. But you are just you know everything aside, just replacing what Ryan Chaser does as a like physically on the football field uh, is a massive task for any defense. And and for me, if you had asked me to vote on the MVP of this season. For the Steelers uh, up to this point, I probably would give it to Le'Veon Bell, but Ryan Shazier would be a very close second. Um,
0: oh, yeah, Ryan Shazier. Yeah, emotion,
1: emotions yeah. aside, which you can't do, um, he's a huge part of this team, and uh, and they're going to miss him emotionally, physically, in really any way you can imagine. Um, and we did hear today through a statement from the Steelers that he's expected to, to stay in the Cincinnati hospital for another 24 to forty mm-hmm. hours. Um, whereas the right. general manager Kevin Colbert had said via statement late last night, Monday night that is, um, that he would, um, that they hoped he would be return back. today, would right? Say, yeah, he's not. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it best, the best of, you know, have prayers for him, you know, best best of wishes for him to get back. But like you said, with Sean Spence, you know, he knows the system a little bit, so hopefully he can definitely help out with the Steelers. In the second half, Steelers defense did, Start to play a little bit better. I mean, that did cause you know they came with drops. We saw a lot of you know drops, I mean, a couple from AJ Green, a couple from uh, I don't know Tyler Boyd. I don't know a couple. There was drops a lot for the Bengals. Joe Mixon went down. Uh, Giovanni, I don't know if Joe Mixon went down in the first half
1: or the second half, but
0: Giovanni Bernard did actually run pretty well against Pittsburgh. But Cincinnati's offense really didn't do much besides that fact. Uh, we, we did see Pittsburgh finally you know get things going. Le'Veon Bell did his thing. Uh, he's not he's not running over 100 yards he's not he's he's running he's getting a lot of yards per carry besides like the losses at the end he was running about like five yards per carry and he's obviously been a very you know good threat in the passing game Antonio Brown did Antonio Brown things so the offense started to get it going in the second half Martavis Bryant he did have one that went through his hands on a deep ball I think early in the game but I think he he actually played you know pretty well throughout the game
1: yeah, I thought this was another step in the right direction for him. Um, you know, going into this game, I thought he might even have to be the primary threat. He showed me a couple things that indicated he could do that um, if if needed. Uh, luckily for the Steelers, it was not. Antonio Brown uh, was his, his ridiculous self before, during, and after the game. Um, and... and <laughs> But, um, no, I, I think Martavis Bryant isn't capital B back, but he continues to get closer. And Hey, when it, when it comes down to the the thin margins that will separate the Steelers and the Patriots and in at least this first game, maybe a second game, of the season as a whole, um, having that extra firepower can make all the difference at all levels of the field. Uh, and, and even on different units within the team. So, um, man, he's an invaluable part of this team. And, uh, it was especially gonna be this week if you were just and his sister suspended.
0: Right. And I'll t- I'll tell you that much, he I I like what I, I mean, I think everybody does. He's he's been really, you know, explosive in the return game. I had a very questionable call on J. J. Wilcox yesterday, but he's been really explosive back there. I like what I seen.
1: Yeah, it's kinda of crazy. I was talking to Danny Siennes, the special teams coordinator last week about that and I asked him, I was like, Man, I I know y'all just put him out for the first time, you know, a week ago, but you must have thought about this before right, like he's he's been fast for a minute, and uh he said, yeah had been discussed, but it's just a matter of um there's some things you got to be on top of as a kick returner, and uh you can't just like show up and do it, so um as much as we might like to think that you could show up and do it um you know he he had to be a little rigorous with it, but man it just, it makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it like he's big, he's fast, he's quick to speed. Mm-hmm. um and you know if he continues to to sort of um, get back to where he could carry the muscle with the speed that he had in 2015, and I don't think the speed's gone by I any means. Um, then, then they're in business, yeah, and, and I think he's going to score points for them.
0: Right, and so we, we did see, like we said, well, I mean, a lot, a lot of guys, you know, getting, you know, getting banged up a little bit, both sides of the ball. But offensively, Roethlisberger, what he got hit a little bit. He, he you know, they drew, there was a flag here and there. He got hit a little bit, so he was up and down. But what, what did you think of his performance? And he, you know, he performed, you know, better as the game went on. Early in the game, you know, through the, he had one pick early in the game. But what was your thoughts on his performance throughout the rest of the game?
1: Yeah, by and large, I think I think he's just continuing to play a smarter game. He's also throwing the ball more cleanly than he was earlier in the season. But was able to do that and in more doable situations because of the decisions he's making with the ball, the place he's deciding not to try and make. Um, and his willingness to, to trust guys who, who, you know, maybe have dropped the odd ball, whether it's Martavis Bryant or Xavier Grimble, guys like that. Spreading the ball around has really helped him. And, um, you know, the Steelers know the way the Bengals like to play Antonio Brown. Um, Pac-Man Jones going out of the game probably helped them a lot mm. in that respect. Uh, last night, but they, um, you know, it's, the, the dichotomy for, for me is this. It, at the beginning of the season, the Steelers were winning games uh, in part in, in spite of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, they have won a couple of games because of Ben Roethlisberger, but by and large, they just need to win games with Ben Roethlisberger, um, and they will remain Super Bowl contenders if they can do that.
0: I agree with you on that, especially people say they play down to the competition, which they. I mean, I'm not going to say the Bengals are because the Bengals they always it's always AFC North always going to be tough, especially with them. Yeah, and hard nose all all that. that. Yeah, I
1: think they watched a guy, you know, foot
0: with oh yeah mortality
1: on a football field, and then yeah. Um, But I don't think they were lacking in intensity in that game. I think oh no, Bengals came out pretty good, and then you know that. Oh, they Andy
0: Dalton looked good in the beginning. (laughs)
1: Right, he's one of those guys. where, are like, uh, he is a franchise quarterback, but he's not fantastic. But if you give him anything, he's going to take it. There's a lot of, there's a few of those in the league anyway, and uh, he's one of them. So,
0: yeah. What, what did you think of uh, Cowherd's tweet? I know everybody attacked him for that because he did, he wasn't watching the well, game, and he did. You see that tweet? I don't. I don't mess with Cowherd. What did he say? You don't mess with him. <laughs> Not really. I don't man. really like I, I don't really like him that much, but I, no, it wasn't like that he was saying anything like, about like like anything. He was he hadn't been watching the game. He had just saw that the score was seventeen to nothing or like ten to nothing or seventeen to nothing. And he, he said, Oh, Steelers again, uh focusing on New England or something, like, uh, and then he said, yeah, and he said hashtag troll Vember or something, and then everybody went off, and then he, you know, put a tweet apologizing because he didn't know about Shazier and all that stuff. So I'm not a huge fan of him, to be honest with you, but I didn't know if you saw it or not. No, I'm not a huge fan of his either, but I mean,
1: my problem with him is that he works in tropes, which is what a lot of the guys who get paid for their quote opinion um, do is, they they know the sort of narrative or line of thinking that will either be agreed with or, or get some sort of reaction in one direction or another. And he always goes with the most reductive, um, base thing. And and a lot of times those things are really problematic, like his sort of beef with Tomlin, that Tomlin is a quote player's coach, that he's uh, you know, not a real tactics guy, that he's um, you know, undisciplined, things like that. These these um, And that's not to say the Steelers have not play down to their opposition, um, but I think it's it exaggerated the extent to which it's true, and, and going with that very lazy line of thinking, um, at least implicitly, if not explicitly, I think, you know, falls in line with a lot of um, kind of just, like, really, really problematic, just, like, racial tropes if you look at the way Steelers and, and Steelers fans sometimes talk about um, – their head coach, who, by the way, is is the most is the winningest coach in franchise history, uh, and the winningest coach in franchise history this many games in any of their coaches' careers. Um, uh-huh. to, to assume that he doesn't know his ball just because he is also a personable person um, is just super flawed to me, and, and um, it's hard
0: for me to to separate demographics from that. Uh, so I won't. Right, so, and, and I know you got to run, but just finish it up. We all know Chris Boswell saved the day once again, did his thing, and yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's the that's yeah, how man, it
1: does he, it. He's scored more than half of the Steelers. Uh, I guess it's probably half now because the Steelers did score a couple touchdowns last night. But in the Steelers' last six games now against the Bengals, he has scored something like uh, eight. Field goals? No, ten field goals. No, it's like twenty field goals. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the point is, I obviously don't remember the number off the top of my head, but he has scored about half of their points in the in the in the six Bengals games that he's played in now, um, and and uh, he's really the bane of their existence as much as any any playmaker in the Steelers backfield
0: or out wide. Of course, Steelers get the victory. 23 to 20, I'm joined by Jacob Klinger from Live Again, Jacob, thank you for joining me today. Um, look forward to talking to you soon. And, we'll you know, we'll, we'll, we'll check you out throughout the week and uh, about Shazier updates, everything like that, everything through practice. You want to let everybody know where they can check you out. I can do that
1: now. Yeah,
0: likewise. Please do. You know, follow me on Twitter at Jacob
1: underscore Klinger underscore. And, uh, yeah, PennLive.com is where my content lives.
0: But, hey, man, I uh, appreciate the chatting with you. As always. And no problem, man. Have a good one, man. You too. That was Penn Lives Jacob Klinger. You know, talked a lot. He talked a lot about the Ryan Chase a lot about the Juju Smith Schuster, and obviously the recap of the Steelers 23 to 20 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. And I, you know, I, I got pretty much the, what I wanted to off my chest. i right like to start the show before Jacob joined me. You know, we talked about more of him, the facts into it when he joined us. But, yeah. So, I, I mean, Check us out. You can check it out on Blog Talk Radio, obviously, but on SteelerNation.com, on our Twitter, at SteelerNation, and on Instagram, at SteelerNation.com. Everybody, have a great day. You've been listening to the Steeler Nation podcast. After this short message, we'll see you next week.
1: Life, I cannot change. Here
0: it is, deep off in the main.